Last week, we talked about lamenting psalms. How many of y'all got a chance to lament this last week? Woo! Right? Yeah, amen. Hopefully, you didn't have to, but hopefully, you did if you needed to. Now, last week, we mentioned five main types of psalms. There are more than just those five main types. There are uh, some lesser-known types as well, like these two, one being uh, songs of ascent. These are psalms where they would uh, sing as they were uh, uh, traveling to Jerusalem as worshipers. And then there are also imprecatory psalms, and these are fun. Imprecatory psalms are psalms that call down judgment on others. Yeah, amen, right? On one's enemies. So yeah, that's pretty fun. But these psalms were not written out of vindictiveness or a need for personal vengeance. Instead, they are prayers that focus on God's justice and his sovereignty and protection. The imprecatory psalms communicate a deep yearning for justice written from the point of view from those who have been mightily oppressed. So last week we talked about lament, and we're going to talk about two major uh, other types of psalms today. Uh, you know, songs are things that are big parts of our lives. And I'm sure that there are songs that if you heard them today, uh, you would be taken back to a specific place and a specific time. Maybe a certain year of your life. Maybe you were 15 years old and uh, your dad turned on the radio while he was grilling in the backyard. And if you heard that song today, you would be transported right back to that place. Or maybe it's the, that song that you and your childhood friends just screamed at the top of your lungs. You knew all the words to it. You still could recite them today as you would uh, drive down the road with the, the windows down and, and just having fun. But so songs have an ability to transport us somewhere else. And these psalms found in God's Word can take us uh, somewhere else as well. Now, I don't know if, uh, what you think about when you think about psalms, but I think about praise. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about psalms of praise and psalms of royalty. Psalms of praise are songs that sing about the vastness of God, about the depth of who He is, and about the width of His goodness. Uh, this week I shared a video, I don't know if anybody saw it, but of a medley of worship songs uh, that spanned 1,500 years, starting with Be Thou My Vision, which was written uh, in the year 600, around that time, in the 6th century, by an Irish poet. Isn't it amazing and so awe-inspiring to think that when we praise God with our voice, we are joining a song that's been sung by uh, saints thousands of years in the past. It's also amazing to think about the fact that no other subject has inspired more songs. God is infinitely deep and infinitely beautiful, and words and medley cannot describe him adequately, but yet we still try, and I hope we always do. And I hope we always sing new songs to our God. A psalm uh, takes God that we have a tendency to see as flat and builds a 3D image of him. The first psalm we're going to take a look at today is Psalms chapter 8, if you want to turn there in your Bible. And it builds out this picture of who God is and what he's like and how big and deep he is. The heading of this psalm says, to the choir master, according to the giddeth. A giddeth is a certain instrument or tune that scholars aren't really sure, but it's a musical annotation. And this again is a psalm of David. And this is what it says. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which, have set you in, uh, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? This is a beautiful song of praise. We see how big God is. Now, another word for a song of praise like this is a hymn. A hymn doesn't have anything to do with a certain style or how old a song is. It has everything to do with the praise and adoration and worship of our God. Any song that lifts up the name of Jesus is a hymn. And these are songs of joy and celebration, diving into the depths of who God is and, and how deep his beauty is. So whether this song is Amazing Grace or a newer song like Good Grace, it is a hymn of praise. Now, Psalms 8 looks at the glory of his creation and sees the handiwork of an awesome God. And the writer sees that uh, the majesty of God is written all over the heavens and the moons and the stars and all these big spheres in constant motion spanning our galaxy. And yet, for some reason, God notices us. It doesn't make sense. But the only reaction is for us to praise so here's the question. When was the last time you really lost yourself in praise? In praise of that God that made you and saved you. David in Psalms 146 can't help but let praise spill out of him. Verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Notice there's exclamation points here. Sometimes we think of the Bible as quiet and neat and tidy. But David here is screaming this out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. Why? Because when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that day, his plans perish. So don't put your faith in people. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourner. And he upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generation. Praise the Lord. We see this praise just spills out of David. He almost cannot contain himself. And he's searching for words to describe how good God is. The British minister, W.E. Sangster, began uh, to lose his voice and mobility in the 1950s. He had a disease which caused progressive muscular atrophy. And he recognized that the end was near, so he began to throw himself into writing and praying. And Sangster's voice eventually failed him completely, and his legs became useless. 
Well, on Easter morning, just a few weeks before his death, he took a pen and he shakenly wrote to his daughter a letter. And in it he said, It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice, voice which to shout, He is risen. But it would still be more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. Is praise spilling out of you? Are you willing to get loud for your God? See, praise is all about magnifying God. Psalms 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's something we as Christians should do. It should be in our fabric that we come together and exalt the name of our God. But it says, let's magnify the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean to magnify God? Well, magnifying something doesn't actually make the thing itself bigger or smaller. It does not uh, change or enlarge in reality, only in perspective. See, the key is what you focus on. For example, if you, I don't know if you've ever noticed when you bought a new vehicle, all of a sudden you seem to see that vehicle everywhere you go. You didn't realize everyone in the world had that same vehicle as you. Now, is there actually more of those vehicles? No. You all of a sudden began to notice them because you were focused on it. I don't know how many neon green Jeeps I've seen since I bought mine. You never gave them a second look before, but now you are focused on them. It seems like there's so much more of them. And the same thing happens with God. If we begin to notice God and praise and worship and thank him, then we begin to realize how big God is and how small our problems really are. And that's what it means to magnify the Lord. It's changing our focus from the temporal things around us to the eternal, holy God. Now, we cannot actually make God any bigger or increase his omnipotence, but what we can is magnify our perspective of God. And in times of uncertainty, God is our only constant. People and places will uh, come and go, but God is always with us. Many people say that they will trust the Lord at all times, but when the worst day comes, they falter and they fail to do it. See, what we need to do is we need to stop putting our troubles under a microscope and instead magnify the Lord. There was a Nigerian preacher by the name of Godwell that says this, when you make God bigger, you make your problems smaller. We need to absolutely refuse to magnify our problems, refuse to magnify the present negative circumstances. How many times have you ever uh, been in a conversation with somebody and you realize that that person is making a mountain out of a molehill? I had to teach Noah this very early on in his life because he had a tendency to, to just get overwhelmed with things. And for a long time, he said, I'm, I'm trying not to make a mountain out of a molehole. That's how he said it. But how many times have you been in a conversation with somebody and they come away and you can tell it's just overwhelmed them, but you're like, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. I think it'll probably work itself out. I, I have that tendency to 
uh, think about my problems just obsessively, and I try and think of a solution, and I think of every possible uh, angle. And I think about, oh, maybe this person is trying to do this, or maybe that person is trying to do that. And I can begin to build these conspiracy theories behind all my troubles. And oh, for, before too long, I'm just drowning in my troubles. Instead of magnifying God and realizing how big God really is and how in 10,000 years this problem that I had with the mailman, I've never had a problem with the mailman, but this problem I've had with the mailman in 10,000 years is not going to matter at all. But our God is still going to be just as big and still going to be just as powerful and still going to be in control. We need to magnify the Lord and praise his name. And these psalms of praise are a great way to shift our focus and our perspective to God. And when you're in the midst of these struggles and trials, you can open the book of Psalms and find one of these psalms of praise and read it and pray it and focus on the truth that's hidden in him. And the second type of psalm we're going to talk about today are psalms of royalty. Royal psalms were often read at the coronation and weddings and anniversaries of the Israelite kings. And these royal psalms deal with the king as God's anointed or chosen one. And many are prayers for wisdom for the king, his long life or success in battle. And some are prophetic in nature in that they point to the ideal future king, the Messiah, the king of kings. Psalms chapter 2, verse 10 says, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. So we see in this chapter that God implores the king to be wise and to follow him. And not to stand against God, but to work with God and, and fulfill his will. And it also tells of the future Messiah, the king of kings. It's kind of cool uh, if you go and read Psalms chapter 2 that is this royal uh, psalm. You can see almost all of it requoted in the New Testament. Psalms 21 is another royal psalm and it says this, O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices and in your salvation how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desires and you have not withheld his re request from his lips. Say la. For you meet him with rich blessing, and you have set a crown of fine gold upon his head. This psalm is a psalm of King David, and he recognizes that God is who put him on the throne, and that God is the reason that he had won battles, and that God is actually his strength. The book of Proverbs tells us something important about earthly kings. Proverbs 21.1 says, uh, the king's heart is a stream of water. In the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. See, even though kings and rulers of this world hold power, they are all under God's jurisdiction. And even with a wicked ruler, God can shape and direct his will and ultimate purpose. So don't be too invested in politics and get overwhelmed by that. Because even when things seem out of control, God is still in control. 
Now, some psalms hit multiple genres, like this next one in Psalms chapter 47. And this is the psalms of praise and royalty all mixed into one. And I like this one. Psalms chapter 47, verse 1. It says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs. I don't know about you, but we just did that a minute ago, right? Uh, you guys were singing out loud. And why? Because God deserves it. Shout to God with a loud songs. For the Lord, the most high, is to be feared. O great king over all the earth. He, he subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us. The pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praise to God. Sing praise. Sing praise to our king. Sing praise. For God is the king over all the earth. Sing praise with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on the holy throne. The, prince, uh, the princes of the peoples gather as the people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. This psalm makes it clear that God is the supreme sovereign over all. God rules and governs and protects his people. He is to be praised as the great king. So the book of Psalms is so important because there is a psalm for every situation, 150 of them. And many people take the practice of reading at least one psalm a day on top of their normal Bible reading because they found out that it takes their perspective and it shifts it to who really deserves our attention. And psalms can be such a great tool for us to use. And just like certain songs can take us somewhere else, psalms takes us to a place of worship and praise and refocusing on the beauty and majesty of God. Chuck Swindle said this, the book of Psalms expresses worship. Throughout its many pages, Psalms encourages its readers to praise God for who he is and for what he has done. The Psalms illuminate the greatness of our God and affirm his faithfulness to us in times of trouble and remind us with absolute uh, centrality of his word. As the Psalms present a clear picture of God lovingly guiding his people, the response of praise and worship to God are never far from the, palmist, uh, the psalmist's pen. The portrayal of worship in psalms offers us glimpse after glimpse of hearts devoted to God, individuals repentant before him, and lives changed through encounters with him. Psalms is a place for us to go to change our focus from uh, putting our troubles under a microscope to instead magnifying our God. God gave us the gift of songs to express things that we might not otherwise be able to express. And the Psalms are a blueprint for us, how we can express deep emotion to our God, lament, praise, and worship, all at his kingship, cries for justice. God wants to hear you sing out for him. So join in creation with all that God has done and do what you were made to do. And lift up and glorify God. Because praise is stronger than your problems. Join in with the millions of saints over thousands of years in worshiping the one that made us and loved us and saved us and forgave us. Let's join in with the Psalms in magnifying our God. And let us continue to sing new songs to our God. 
Praise God for the hymn writers in the past and in the present that stir our hearts to praise. There was a man by the name of Carl Boberg who quit his job as a sailor to begin to work as a lay minister in his native Sweden. And the year was 1885. And he was inspired by the sound of church bells ringing during a wild thunderstorm. And he penned the words to a poem that he called, O Great God. Although O Great God was published, the nine-verse poem didn't really catch on. And it seemed to be destined to be forgotten. Well, fast forward a few decades into the 1930s. Somehow, unknown to Carl, this poem had been put to music and traveled across borders. Uh, English missionary Stuart Hine heard the song in Russian while he was in Poland. And he was deeply moved by the song. So he translated it into English and he tweaked the musical arrangement and some of the wording and he took it home with him to England. Now the song was called entitled, How Great Thou Art. In the 1940s, evangelist Dr. Erwin Orr heard this version of the song being sung by the native people in Assam, India. And being deeply inspired by it, he brought the song back to the United States. And they're still unsure how that song actually made it to India. But in 1954, the songs found its way into the hands of George Beverly Shea, who sang it nearly 100 times during these large Billy Graham crusades in 1957 in the city of New York City. In 1959, it became the theme song for Billy Graham's weekly radio broadcast, bringing how great thou art into the national consciousness. And you could still, even today, hear country music artists sing that song and people joining in, and it's way bigger than Carl Boberg could have ever imagined. In fact, he's never even heard the song that he penned, and it was almost lost to history several times. But something heavenly and miraculous happens when we open our mouths and join the angels in praise to our God. We join with all of creation as it spins and sings out worship to our God. So you may never see how far your praise really goes or what it can do once it leaves your mouth. How great is our God? The band is going to come now and we're going to stand. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's stand and practice this. Let's magnify the name of the Lord together. Let's not be the person whose voice and whose tongue is silent when we should be praising our God, the King of Kings. And remember, praise is bigger than your problems. So let's change our, our perspective. Let's magnify our God. Let's leave our burdens at the cross and celebrate Jesus. Let's pay tribute to our King. Let's lift him higher than any other. Let's exalt his name together. Let's use this time as a time of prayer and meditation as we sing out these words of this old hymn. Let's lift our voice. If you want to come down and use the altar this morning, you can do that as well. Let's sing and praise and magnify our God.